People deluded, I'm back again. I hope you're all doing well and safe, whoever you are, wherever you are. Good morning, you know, to those of you in the UK. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night, according to wherever else you guys may be in this world. You know, DG Nation, we're getting a somewhat global brand. Now, welcome back to the DG podcast, the deluded podcast, the deluded podcast. So nice, I had to say it twice. The really and truly podcast, whatever you lot want to refer to it as, I'm just happy you're here. Please make sure you're following me across Spotify and Apple for more updates on the podcast sort of stuff. You know the base of my work is on YouTube, Deluded Guna 4 across everything from YouTube to Twitter. The only exception is, is Snapchat, D, D Guna 4 So yeah, shameless plug. I hope you're all doing well and safe on this Tuesday morning. You know, we've had a lot of football to be played. I'm still riding high as an Arsenal fan because the last time we spoke, people, you know, I was seeing my team complete a dramatic comeback in the Europa League and we've done two comebacks in a week as we've defeated Leicester City obviously Gareth Bell's done a madness for, for Spurs a bit of a boring game with the Chelsea result but we'll get into it people we're going to get into it obviously we've got football this week as well so there's stuff to preview and all of those things in case you forget you know the next edition of this podcast will come out on Friday as we review the midweek action and look towards the um, weekend's action I think Arsenal have Burnley hoping we can do what what Spurs have done you know hopefully two North London clubs can smack up them way there not that I want to be anything with Spurs but yeah man let's jump straight into the Premier League action people there's no point delaying now yesterday um, I'm just going to quickly run through the fixtures quickly, people, for the results. If you've been, I can't imagine you don't know because, you know, my core following is is diehard football fans. But in case you, you've been under a rock these past few days, you know, Everton defeated Southampton 1-0. Crystal Palace and Fulham in a somewhat South London derby, I would say, or South West London derby, where Fulham's concerned. I'd call it a London derby, definitely South London derby. They drew 0-0 and there's nothing really for me to speak on. Leicester City 1, Arsenal 3, Arsenal free Leicester City won you know we're gonna get into that and you know I've got a lot of ramblings to get into Spurs defeated full um first Spurs defeated um Burnley sorry 4-0 so you know for um Everton 1-0 against Southampton Crystal Palace 0-0 against Fulham Leicester 1 versus 3 for Arsenal Spurs won 4-0 against Burnley Chelsea and Manchester United goalless 0-0 much like the Palace game Liverpool away from home in Sheffield you know 2-0 victory against Chris Wilder's side. On Saturday, you obviously saw Manchester City defeat West Ham two goals to one. You know, i got a lot to say about the West Brom game. You know, West Brom defeated Brighton a goal to nil. Aston Villa beat Leeds 1-0 courtesy of a solitary strike. You know, no Grealish, no problem of sorts. Newcastle and Wolves had to settle um, settle for a point each and share the spoils. So, yeah, it's been an eventful week depending on who you support, where you support. Um, if we jump straight into the Arsenal game, people. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Obviously, when you look at the last, well, all season really and like Leicester, Arsenal need to stop conceding cheap goals. You know, we handed that goal to them. Again, I think three people are to blame. And this is where, you know, depending on what Arsenal fan you speak to, it's all Marie's fault. It's all El Nene's fault. It's all Xhaka's fault. And this is, I have a problem, you know. Fundamentally, the buck stops with Xhaka because he's played the stupid pass. But this is where, for me, you have to acknowledge everybody because nine times out of ten, when Arsenal concede a goal, it's a poor sequence of play. If we go back to the Wolves game, people... For me, obviously, it's not a red card for David Luiz, but he, that whole thing happens because he's out of position. And that, that sets off a sequence in which Bellerin's out of position, Rob Holding's not looking over his shoulder. Same way, you know, 
that's been the theme of a lot of people. And off the top of my head, you know, cheap goals. You know, even when we beat Leeds 4-2, we gave them two goals. You know, I'm sure every goal a team concedes, you can go back to the drawing board and things. But it doesn't, it just seems like my club, you don't really have to do much to score. We don't really make you cut us open and things. And so for me, cheap goals is a concern. Conceding early goals is a concern. Like in all comps, off the top of my head, we conceded very early to Man City. No shame in that. It is what it is, people. But, you know, we had Man City. I'm sure Southampton in the FA Cup, we conceded early. You had Southampton as well. And obviously you had Leicester courtesy of Telemans in the sixth minute. Um so maybe we have to work on how we're starting games better, people, because your luck's going to run out in that regard. So cheap goals and early goals are things we need to work on. But I'm not going to lie. I'm proud of my boys. I would go as far as to say collectively, you know, again, our season's been atrocious, really and truly. It was nice to move up to ninth temporarily. I think we're 10th now um, um, and, and things like that. Um I'm I'm not going to lie. When I look at, you know, I'd probably say, you know, beating Man United, beating Chelsea, um, Fulham on the first game of the season, uh, Leeds, and I'd probably go as far as to say Leicester as well. It's probably the best performance collectively of us all season. We have to kind of tie into what I said about early goals and cheap goals. We have to kind of work on playing well for 90 minutes because too often than not as an Arsenal fan, I personally feel we focus like we might be well good for 10 minutes or good for 80, but we've messed around in 10. And some Arsenal fans will just focus on that messing around in the 10 or the positive 80. We need the players also need to realise that, you know, it's a 90 minute game. Um, so it was nice for me to see possession turned into goals. Um, it was nice to obviously turn it around in the first half. It was, you know, I, I was I was doing a watch along to it and I said, you know, it's disappointing that we've conceded early on because I actually feel we started well. But you're professional footballers, you know, you've gone behind in a game before, you know the context, you know, we're not relying on Saka or these sort of guys in this sort of game. The bulk of you, whether I like you or not or rate you or not, you've been capped by your country, you've, you know, you're in your mid to late 20s, you're all collectively experienced, depending on what metric you, you judge that on. You can fix this yourselves. So, you know, the only thing I can say is the early goal, but I liked the mentality to get back in the game. I liked the mentality to say we're on the front foot, really and truly, you know, Leicester, again, they've had some injuries like us they played on Thursday but you know I'm not going to say I was disappointed um, in Leicester because I'm happy but um, I was disappointed in Leicester obviously they weren't helped with Harvey Barnes's injury and he's having the 23 year olds having a good season he's now out for six weeks allegedly people and obviously Smith Rowe is going to be better after his hip problem but they're two themes um, I think Leicester were a bit toothless man they went with a 4-4-2 I think they missed Madison you know Vardy I think um, David Luiz and Marie apart from the goal we've conceded I forgot to to, to really um Hold on that, where obviously Jacques has played a poor pass for me. El Nene needs to cover the space a bit more, as does Marie. Um Apart from that, I think I think we did I think we did well because Vardy was out of the game. You know, Marie and David Luiz worked a number on him. He was just trying to get it into wide areas. Barnes couldn't get on the ball. I think Telemans did all right. You know, Ndidi was chasing shadows. You know, Kelechi and Acho, he's not quite gonna give. He dropped deep in that, but I think his decision making was quite poor, especially in the last. 10 minutes or so he could have definitely grabbed a couple or at least had one goal one assist um so they were marked out the game I don't feel the Pereira and the Cassange on the right back right hand side worked the two fullbacks it did work for 20 minutes I felt against William um 
But after that, we turned up the tide. I think William had a fantastic game. Obviously, he's got two assists technically. You know, he delivered for David Luiz via a set piece and obviously he set up Pepe technically. Um, it was a good game. I'm happy for William. It's no secret, you know. I don't really rate William. And it's not that I don't really rate him. It's, it's let's cut the crap, you know. He hasn't been putting in a shift. 32 years of age, season pro, hasn't been playing anything like it. You know, there's only a handful of games the man's turned up. You know, Leicester, Fulham, um, you know, fair play, got an assist against Wolves. I actually feel, many fans won't, but I feel he was actually very good when we when we um, beat Man United at Old Trafford in line with a collective team effort. But, you know, we didn't give him a three-year deal and how much money, a wage, a wages and things like that for that. But I think he had a good game. And I might not necessarily rate William, but, you know, I'm happy for him because, you know, he's... he's think a lot's being made of the Thursday game against Benfica but he's he's come off the bench and affected the game positively there managers giving him a start to, um against Leicester made six changes you know that's another point as well um you know that we made six changes and for me it didn't look evidently like we made such obviously if the game goes a different way that's a thing um so yeah he started the game he got two assists he's part of a collective team performance Arteta's been the only man supporting William, so that gives him a confidence. For William, it gives him a bit of confidence. And again, you know, William on the best of days is an inconsistent player. So you really don't want to have an inconsistent player low on confidence. They're less likely to try things. They're more likely to get things wrong. So if he can get some sort of confidence from this week, especially, I'm happy for that. Because if anything of Arsenal, I feel of late, I've always, I'm a big fan of competition in it. It's a squad game. Like I just said, six people have been changed um, against Leicester for this sort of period that we're in. I want William to show what he's on because, again, if you one thing we have seen is those front four positions. Whoever's playing in the 10, whoever's playing left or right or up front, there's competition and there's knock-on effects. Like if Lacazette plays through the middle, that mean, might mean shoehorning a Bamian on the left. Obviously could have ramp um, ramifications in theory for Pepe, Saka, Martinelli and these things. If Saka plays on the right, then William and Pepe might not be playing. We've previously seen Lacazette play as a 10. Obviously, Smith-Rowe and Odegaard have come into the picture. But you get my point we've got problems so if William can do his bit more to keep pushing Saka and pushing everybody else well, you know not only do we have more tools at our disposal and more versatility but people are more likely to you know not drop drop off not saying anybody is so I'm happy that uh, William's got um, got some got some thingies from that Pepe was superb obviously he won the penalty um, he won the free kick uh, he won the free kick as well he obviously got his goal he had a very good he had a very good game he put Thomas on toast you know it, 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 it's shocking you know Say what you want about Maitland-Niles, but it's no coincidence that Maitland-Niles and Cedric, you know, not saying Pepe hasn't had good games with Bellerin, but there's a dramatic increase. You could see Pepe and Cedric, one's overlapping, one's underlapping, they're switching it up. You know, even Cedric's getting gassed and doing crave turns. It's nice to see wingers work together and if that can continue then I want Arsenal to move and become a bit less left-hand centric as you lot all know for a variety of factors we are you know we've had Saka previously on the left we've had Martinelli Tierney's out there Aubameyang's out there even back to Kalajinac days when he was our first choice left back we were very left-hand centric and teams read this sort of thing like I said I think Leicester were their game the 4-4-2 didn't work second half they made more of a meal of it um but um, yeah, they just didn't. They just didn't do enough. I felt they were too defensive. I think they, they, you know, we we pressed them well. We kept them in their own half. You know, I don't. I'm trying to give Arsenal credit because as much as I feel Leicester were poor, I do think you know when you look at Arsenal, when you look at Arsenal's wins against Leicester, Chelsea, um, Man United, I do think, and a lot of it is true. Two two truths can live in the same realm. 
But it's too often than not, we focus on how poor the other side was and not give credit because it, it took bottle to get back in the game. Forgive yourselves from the mistakes. We made six changes. So the boys can do it, but it's about doing it consistently, people. So I'm happy, man. Obviously, I think Pablo Marie had a good game. I do think him and El Nene, in addition to Xhaka, could have done well. Xhaka, apart from that mistake, I feel he was superb. Um, in my humble opinion, I think Partey made a difference off the bench. I think Odegaard made a, a slight difference as well. You know, um, Pepe, Lacazette, William, they've all been chomping at the bit. You know, I'd say definitely for Pepe and, and, and Lacazette, I feel they've been quite hard done by in recent weeks not playing games. Um, and they showed why they can't be missing. Disappointed to obviously not see Martinelli, but it is what it is. We did what we needed to do and it's it's it's... It's a nice way for me to end February. It's been a tough week. It's been a tough month, in it? And the games ain't getting any easier. Like, what, in our next six fixtures, we've got the Europa League. Um, forgive me if I'm wrong. In no order, we've got West Ham, Burnley, Spurs, Liverpool. And then, obviously, sandwiched in between some of these games, you've got Olympiacos twice. So, it's business, it's business part of the season. I always tell you, lot, from the start of the season until January, this end of December, early Jan, you've got to focus on just being mathematically in the pack. Then when it gets to February, beginning of March, you just got to look at making it to April. Then obviously April to May is a cup final essentially every week. It's down to you. You know, it's down to you and what you want to do. You know, Leicester have been performing well. Um, You know, they look to be solid on getting top four. But we all remember last year, they messed it up on the last day of the season. So I'm sure Brendan Rodgers had a lot of things to say to his team. I'm sure he nipped that in the bud. If I look at it as well, all of those four goals um scored in that game, people, the three for us and the one Leicester scored, it's all via cheap mistakes in it, you know. Indeed, he's put his hands up. They are in an unnatural position. I felt, he, you know, it is what it is. Obviously, there was that penalty incident before turn three kick. We switched off. Well, Xhaka and Cole switched off for the goal we conceded um, and things like that. Obviously, we hit them on the break. I did enjoy the third goal because it came via open play. Yes, in the build up to the penalty and the free kick, which led to David Luiz scoring, it did come via open play. But I think we need to create a bit more because, you know, we, we it's nice that we took advantage of those mistakes. But at a period, I didn't feel we really tested Casper Schmeichel. And I feel there was a period in the first half we had possession and stuff, but Leicester actually had the best chances. So there were some things to work on. But, you know, credit where you did very well in that game. And the te that team there was a team that was third, could have went second at the time. So there was big ramifications and every reason for Leicester to come out of the blocks. It is what it is in that regards. And as you don't know, Arsenal versus Leicester has been an iffy game to describe it nicely the last couple of times, people. But that was Arsenal's first victory against a team starting the day in the top three of the Premier League table since January 2015, where we beat Manchester City people. Um, going into that game, we were winless in, in 14 such matches. Matches. Obviously, Williams set up David Luiz, the, the current Arsenal teammates and former Chelsea teammates, as well as at international level with Brazil. David Luiz and Williams are just the second Arsenal duo to combine for a Premier League goal for the Gunners and another Premier League team. They did it for Chelsea. I said they're the second duo. Um, I'll give you a clue. The last one that did it, they did it for Arsenal and West Ham. Any clues, people? I'm going to give you 10 seconds to guess it. Is it the... Uh, 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 uh. Uh, uh, John Hartson is one. I'll give you a 10 seconds for another one, people. You know, he played for Crystal Palace. He played for Arsenal. He played for West Ham. He played for Celtic. He played for England. He's our second highest goal scorer, I believe. Ian Wright, right, right. All right, cool, man. That one was probably easier. But, like, yeah, after Ian Wright and, and John Hartson did so for West Ham, David Luiz and William are, you know, the second duo to combine for an Arsenal goal. And another goal. 
Nicolas Pepe might have only got one goal, but he was involved in all three of those get goals, people. And he has scored four goals in his last seven Premier League starts for Arsenal. Um, that's as many as he had in his previous 21 in all co in the competition combined. Sorry. Um, Telemans is having a very good season. He has scored six goals for Leicester in the Premier League this year. That's as many as he had in his first two um, seasons um, combined, people. He got three in his previous two years. So he's he's he's... You know, his goals are evidently improving. He's becoming an even more complete player. You know, Telemans, for me, in a positive way, Telemans is playing the exact way I saw a 16, 17-year-old play um, in the Champions League against us at the Emirates for Anderlecht. He's just getting more mature and, and, and stuff like that. And it's crazy because I wouldn't have known with his goals because I would have said he's in... Not that he hasn't had intelligence, but I think he's overall... He's consistently in the game for 90. You know, he's learning when to keep it simple and complicated. You know, he's learning the dirty... He's really evolving as a player and that's another metric, his goals. Now, he has got the ability to add a couple of goals. I wouldn't have him down as a goal-scoring player. I do think he can hit a penalty and might be able to do something from set pieces, but it shows that he's developing. And with all due respect to Leicester, you know, you'd imagine, you know, if if... if Harry Maguire gets a move to United. How long until Telemans, you know, the cities, the United, maybe Liverpool and teams abroad? I would love him at Arsenal. I wanted him at Arsenal. He's costing a pretty penny. You know, Leicester don't have to sell. You know, they've got a good project, what's going on now, for, and, and, and they can ride it to the wheels full of. So it is what it is in that regards, people. Big up Lacazette, he deserved his penalty. Even without the penalty, I think he did well. Lacking the build-up for the second goal, people, where he's holding up, that uh, third goal, sorry, where he's holding off bare man. But for what it's worth, Lacazette has converted all five of his penalties for Arsenal across all competitions, while only Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, with 13, has netted more goals for the Gunners than Lacazette with 11 this term. And I think that's a funny one, considering people say this is probably Aubameyang's worst form of his life in an Arsenal shirt. And some, I wouldn't go as far as to say people say this is like a Zet's best form, but, you know, probably say second best form. Um, so, yeah, enough about the Arsenal game, people. You know, I'm, I'm ecstatic. Going into the, I'd say the biggest, I wouldn't say it's the game of the most talking points. I'd say that's West Brom versus Brighton for me. But in relation to Chelsea versus Man United, Chelsea nil, Manchester United nil. Now, let's be real. I'm sure both teams would have loved to have won. We all know Manchester United's record, to put it nicely, against the top six isn't good. They're not winning too many games. They're improving defensively, but they haven't won too many games against the top six. They failed to really score against the top six. And I think, I love Bruno Fernandes, but I just feel he's a player that kind of signifies currently United's problems against the top six because he's smashing it against all the other teams, kind of bottling it against the others, against, against the top sort of sides, people. I think it was a game that really lacked quality. For me, the most exciting thing is seeing Rudiger drive out the back and drive from the back and try and have a shot, people. It was a really poor game for me in terms of quality. Like Bruno Fernandes is losing the ball at every given opportunity. Um, I think Greenwood did all right, but he's isolated. But for me, you know, I think Hakim Ziyech and Bruno Fernandes highlighted how poor the game is. Two of the most technical players in that team was so surprised how, you know, the first touch from Ziyech and the passing was off and Bruno was just doing a madness. It was it was quite poor. I do think, you know, um, what's his name? Mason Mount had a very good game for Chelsea. I won't sit here and cap people. I think he really did. And he's a lot. He's a guy that gets a lot of unnecessary hate, I would say. I don't know if that's the right word. But it was a game that was lacking quality. I think both defences were getting caught playing out of the back. I think Lindelof looked a bit shaky. Ultimately, both teams looked a bit frail and a bit scared to really go for it and kind of cancelled each other out. I just think it lacked quality finishing. It lacked technical abilities from both teams, really. There's clear-cut chances not being taken and they are even far and few, really. 
it is quite poor people i just i don't i i was really unimpressed obviously there's that penalty incident i can't lie to you people i don't think i think it is a penalty and then i don't think it is every angle that, that i'm shown it makes me think yeah it's a pen no it's not in, in relation to the callum hudson adoy incident it was a bit i don't know what was going on with that and i think you know it's another week where we're talking about var and the use of it or the inconsistency with it or the inconsistencies but i'm trying to focus on the football and i just think it really lacked quality really lacked quality but i think if you offered both play both sides a point they wouldn't necessarily take it but they'd accept it and i think you know the game was there was a funny moment where fred's banged it with his right foot you know, Fred is a decent player, but he needs to stop shooting. But to be fair, he was closer with his right peg than some of his stronger foot shots I've seen of United in recent. But it, it made me laugh to see. I'm not going to say Oli was laughing, but Oli was cheering him on. But it's just the way Oli does it. It was quite comical. Um, it was nice to see Scott McTominay and Ridiger in the waters as well. And there was an incident. I think um, McTominay made an important block in his home area. So, yeah, man, it is what it is in that regards. It was lacking quality. I actually thought, first five, I thought, yo, this game might be a bit open. And, you know, it was a it was a very much I told you so when I was doing my watch along. Um, so, yeah, in relation to that game, people, but when you look at Bruno Fernandez's um, record in terms of goal contributions um, against the traditional top six, that stands at just 0.38, people. Um, against the traditional top six in Leicester. And when you look at the other 13 such sides, people, he's got 1.3 contributions in those fixtures, people. Against um, Chelsea, he had um, just a passing accuracy of 71.4%. Obviously, he tries riskier passes, so you've got to allow him that. But I think that kind of highlights it. If that doesn't, he lost the ball 20 times in all. That's more than any player on the pitch. There's no way of justifying how wasteful that is. Um, and I think that kind of sub um, sums up the game. I think both teams had chances to nick it at periods. They didn't do it, so they didn't get it. Um, with that, though, Thomas Tuchel has, has become the second manager to see his side keep a clean sheet in his first four home matches in the Premier League. Brendan Rodgers did so in 2011-2012 with Swansea. Um, Manchester United have failed to score a single goal in their six league meetings with Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City or Spurs. Each of their last four such matches have finished goalless. Is well, it is in that regard. Tuchel was very vocal. He said, you don't get many chances. You do a half chance. If you do, a half chance must be enough. We're not in that moment where we are clinical enough to win games like this. So like I said, both teams had chances to win the game. They didn't do such. And the manager has had his say. Um, it is well, it is in that regard. I'm sure you all saw um, Aston Villa defeated Leeds with a um, you know a cur courtesy of Anwar El Ghazi. You know, it looked like a bookie deflected strike from from Oli Watkins and you know you have to big up Martinez for that game I think he helped Aston Villa on their way to getting three points people as I said in the London derby at speaking of keepers you know I think Ariola was in good form for Fulham as obviously Crystal Palace drew nil-nil with with Fulham and I think you know the writing could have been on the wall really really and truly point doesn't help Fulham as they're trying to get out the relegation zone I'm I'm sure they're everybody's I won't say favourites, but I mean, definitely for me anyways, you kind of want to just see Fulham stay up. They're just sat in about Scotty Parker and the players he's got. You just, you just want them to do all right. You just want them to kind of make it and stay in them. And I think Fulham can be full of pride regardless. I think they might be a bit short, but the way it's, in, the way it's looking to the way it looked at the first couple games of the season, they definitely look like 
a better football club or, or trying to do something because if they carried on with how they're doing in the first year of the se- first game of the season they could very much be, be remembered like the Derby side who came up or do you remember that one year was it 06 where Watford came up and I think it was either Watford or Sheffield one of them was dead but yeah man the writing could have been on the wall and if you're a betting man you probably wouldn't have backed Palace to score mind you because Palace have picked up while Palace have picked up four points from their last two Premier League games winning one and drawing drawing one um They've attempted just six shots, people. How, um, they've had just nine nine touches in the oppos- in the opponent's box, um, and completed just four hundred and forty two passes, people. Um, you know, and when you look at it, people of the five games Crystal Palace have played in February, they had just thirty three shots across those five games, people. You know, that's 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 poor. Since full shot data um, became available, this is the fewest by any side in the competition in the calendar month. Crazy people. You don't shoot, you don't score. So Roy Hudson's got a lot of it reinventing to do. Um, you know, I'm always gonna cheer on the Arsenal low knees, Newcastle against Wolverhampton people, um against Wolves, share of the spoils, you know. Newcastle captain Lascelles obviously put them ahead before Pedro Neto assisted his fellow countrymen with a rare Ruben Neves header to snatch a point. Um, both it was it weren't a best game in terms of quality. I do think Joe Willock had a fantastic chance to score before um, Saint Maximin was ruled offside. And um, you know Fulham, gave, I mean Newcastle gave half chances to Wolves. I didn't think Wolves started well, but they ended it with half. They ended it strongly. So it is well, it is people. Away from that, like I said, Joe Willock should have definitely scored. I feel Maitland now should have scored again um, for West Brom. You know, West Brom, first home win of the season, um, I believe for Big Sam, Sam Allardyce. They did what they needed to do, people. Um, you know, the referee, Lee Mason, comical, you know. It looks like you've told Dunk or whatever, you can take the free kick, he's taking it, you've blown again. You know, that's bare confusion. Then you've given the goal, then you've not. What is going on there? And when you look at, you know... What's allegedly been said in the aftermath of the Chelsea game with Luke Shaw and Maguire, this sort of stuff now, you know, you've had you, 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 every day, every week now, we, Arsenal have had plenty, every week there's something in it and you can't criticise refs, you can't look at refs, this is incompetent people and it's, it's ruining the game. I say ruining the game, I believe that the Premier League fat cats, they want this people because the Premier League is entertainment, you know. It gets us talking. It gets engagement. You know, every week I'm sitting here on this podcast and saying, ref, this, this, that and the other. It gets people talking. I don't think they want to fix it. I think they love the controversy, in my humble opinion. Um, so it is what it is, you know. And like Dunk said, I said to the referee, can I take it? He blew his whistle and I took it. Why doesn't he come and speak to the to the press like me? Never. They hide behind their bubble. And that's true, you know. You know, you don't... Not that the refs aren't human, but if the refs can come out and say, yo, I made a mistake, or if you could hear the refs talking, things might change. Um, I think he, he lost control of the game. He, he lost control of himself, people. And, and too often than not, these referees... Don't get it twisted. It's easy for me to say. Um, but they haven't got the bottle to be able to hack it. Um, Dunk went on to say... I don't think he knew what he was doing. He gave the goal. Why did he give it? I don't know why VAR was getting involved. Um, when asked if he lost control, he said, yeah, he did, in fact, which is true. Um, so, yeah, you know, it was a mad game because we could speak about the referee at length, people, at, at incredible lengths. Trust me, we can. Um, but at the same time, 
from a footballing point of view, absolute madness. Like I said, Maitland Niles had a fantastic opportunity to score in the first half, like his fellow lonely Joe Willett did in against Newcastle. But the game had everything, people. You know, you had Connolly missing chances, Pascal Gross and Danny Welbeck missing penalties, you know, people missing tappings, Kyle Bartley, former Arsenal man, you know, getting the headlines at both ends. You know, he obviously popped up with a goal for his team. I'm sure as a centre-half, he loves a goal because that's a collector's item. And shout out, quite a few centre-halves have been scoring this week. You know, you had that, what, David Luiz, Bartley, um, uh, John Stones and Diaz. You know, it's been quite the quite the weekend for centre-halves. They're showing strikers how to do it, people. But, you know, I'm sure, like I said, it's a bit of a collector's item. But for me, as a right-back, and I'm sure him and Kyle Bartley, he made one vital block um, to deny um, Brighton from scoring. And you could see how much it meant to him. You know, it just weren't Brighton's day in it. When all these things go against you, of course you can sit there and say you needed to do this better. But, you know, you're going to rarely have days where you miss two penalties, where you put a free kick, kick, free kick in and it gets ruled out. Where Mupe and Mupe, Gross and definitely Connolly have chances to score from close range and all F up, you know. I did feel West Brom's keeper, Sam Johnson, was doing all he could to give West Brom, I mean, give Brighton a way back into the game. I cannot sit here and lie. You know, West Brom, I give credit to their game plan. I think Colin Gallagher, Maitland Niles, all of them, Barkley, they all mucked in, you know. They all mucked in and they got their just dessert, people. But for Brighton, boy, I don't think, apart from... Conceding the goal, I don't know what Graham Potter is going to say to Dembicar and, and probably working on, on penalties because it's a madness, you know. You knew Welbeck was going to miss and I think it was interesting. If you go and watch the penalty again, Maitland-Niles, obviously their former teammates, is telling the keeper where he's going and obviously he's actually done his keeper bad because, he's you know, Johnson's less... Lit, not, I don't know if he's listened to him, but he's gone that way. Obviously, Welbeck's hit the post. So, it was a crazy game and for me, it's the game with the most talking points because it, it, it was just a madness and I'm happy that I can enjoy that from neutral that game was better than the Chelsea thingy game in my humble opinion um it is what it is now Liverpool haven't been able to buy too many wins and you know it was vital they won against Sheffield especially considering Everton are now level on points Liverpool 2 Sheffield United nil it did look like there wouldn't be a way through I didn't think a man for do had one had a better had a good game but it didn't look like Liverpool would have a way through Obviously, Curtis Jones eventually scored and then it looked like a f the second looked like Firmino's, then it's being chalked as an own goal. But clean sheet, Allison in the team, they needed three points. They've got their three points. Obviously, once again, condolences to Allison. Obviously, lost his father recently and it was it was touching from Curtis Jones to use that moment of his goal to pay tribute to his teammate. And it truly is true what Liverpool say, you never walk alone. I really respect that. Um, with that, Sheffield United suffered their 21st defeat of the season in the Premier League, people. So they're, they're nailed on to go down, let's be real. Um, at 20 years of age and 29 days, it is Curtis Jones's. I'd say breakthrough season. I know he was in and around the first team last year, but he's actually starting games. There's actual importance placed on him now. He's, he's still a young player, but in 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 a way, Klopp is looking at him in the same way he might whoever starts it for the Liverpool team. And Curtis Jones, I think he's a very good player and he's going to go off to have a good career. But 20 years of age and 29 days, people, he is the youngest Liverpool player to score away from Anfield in, a prim, in the Premier League since Raheem Sterling did such in December 2014. And he was 20 years and 18 days of age. But who did he score against people in that fatal month, December, in that fatal year, 2014? Burnley, uh, to be fair, I wouldn't have got that. I've only got it because it's in front of me, people. Um, 
make of that what you will. Now, you obviously had Spurs, you know, that's a result you would probably want to see as a Spurs fan. Absolutely lit the F up out of Brighton. Burnley, apologies, people. Spurs 4, Burnley nil. Bale on top form. Son and, and Morad in, um, encouraging performances. Kane on the on the score sheet. Dembele, Endombele with a cute couple little flicks and stuff. You know, perfect performance. Clean sheet, you know. Toby Alderweireld playing some lovely passes as well, even from the from defence. It was a good performance from them. Obviously, Bell's going to get the headlines. Hasn't got too many headlines at Spurs, apart from being injured and things like that. You know, he's been building up his confidence in the Europa League, and I'm sure this is the Bell they wanted to see. And he's hitting form at the right time. That can give them a sort of lift, people. Gareth Bell has been directly involved in seven goals in his last four appearances for Spurs in all comps. Three assists and four goals. Um, against Burnley, it was also the first time he has scored twice in a match since um, September 2019, where obviously that was where he's playing for Real Madrid. Um, you know, Spurs got off to an early start. They scored very early, people. Earlier than the goal we conceded in the Telemans um, game, people. It was a good pass. I did think Bale could have maybe been offside. Clearly, it wasn't. Good run, good pass. Simple as that. Son got two assists in that game. He's the third player to assist two goals for Bell in the same Premier League match, people. Spurs fans listening, you know, who were the other two former Spurs players to do that for Gareth Bell? Um, one happened in against QPR in 2011. One happened in November of 2010. Pardon me. All right, I'll give you one. In 2010, it was Van der Vaart. In 2011, it was... What can I say that? He's a former England international, people. Because I, I give it away if I say positions. Five, four, three, two, one. It's Aaron Lennon. I tried to say England international people because I'm trying to throw up some tricks. You know, could it be Drinas? Could it be Aaron, um, Aaron Lennon? Could it be Jermaine Defoe? You know, could it be Jonathan Woodgate or Darren or David Bentley or, or something like that? You know, but it didn't work or Huddleston or something like that. But yeah, man, Son did his thing. And he did his thing for my FBL team, as did Kane. Spurs have scored 39 Premier League goals this season, people. 32 of them have featured either Harry Kane or Son Heung-min as the scorer or the assister. That's 82%. So I guess Spurs kind of want the other people to chip in. Because like us, if it's not a Bamian historically or Lacazette or whatever, there isn't too many goal scorers at Arsenal. Or Bakayo Saka in terms of assists. Um, Harry Kane scored, has scored eight goals against Burnley in the Premier League. Um, Mares has the same. So yeah, Mares and Kane... <laughs> They love playing Burnley. Gareth Bell's goal for Spurs after just 68 seconds is the quickest goal ever scored against Burnley in the Premier League. So that's a bit of history. Spurs also recorded their biggest win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium since December 2019, which was against... It was a 5-0 victory. Any clues, people? Who was that? I'll give you a clue... I was going to throw in a trick question, but it's also Burnley. So they beat Burnley 5-0 two years ago. And yeah, man, they won 4-0 in their last game, people. It is what it is in that regards. As I said earlier, you know, Everton defeated Southampton a goal to nil. Southampton, I don't know what's going on with Southampton, people. One minute they were they were top of the league. Hassan Hutu was getting all the plaudits. Now it's all gone down the ish, people. Um, and it's been a wild season. What have they, you know, United and Leicester have given them two heavy beatings. You know, you can't, I don't think Southampton are getting relegated, but this is relegation for maybe the luxury is that, you know, you've probably got West Brom, Sheffield and Fulham who somehow are worse than them. But the way Fulham are playing, you know, if they could pick up points, I'd rather Southampton go down than Fulham. I'm not going to lie. Not that I care because I'm an Arsenal fan. But yeah, man, shout out to Richarlison for getting the goal and he's affecting, you know, affecting the game in positive scenarios forever and each and every time. 
I did feel Everton could feel a bit unlucky. There was an excellent training ground set piece routine worked and Keane eventually pulled it in the back of the net. Obviously, he was offside. I feel that Salish, you guy, was given a tough day by Everton. Um, with that, you know, Everton are on 43 points, people. Carlo Ancelotti's doing his thing. Um, that's their highest points tally after 25 games in the Premier League season since 2013-14. They finished fifth that year. And Carlo Ancelotti has said top four. We want a dream, you know. So, again, they're level with Liverpool. There's every right for them to go for that, people. Every right for Everton, West Ham and Leicester to do what they can to mess up the traditional top four, top six this season um richarlison you know um since the start of last season only watford jao pedro with 30 well i actually don't know if that's watford's one or the one in Serie A, but jao it hasn't specified but jao pedro with 30 and neymar with 19 are the only brazilians to score more goals in the top five um, european leagues than everton's richarlison his 18 draws him level with gab jesus people southampton have won just one point from their last 27 on offer in the premier league they've lost eight drawn one and lost um, and won none one none drawn one and lost eight They've lost consecutive. They've lost five consecutive away games in the competition for the first time since 2015, when they were under Ronald Koeman. Um, Richarlison has scored three consecutive Premier in three consecutive Premier League games for Everton for the first time since December 2019. Everton are also unbeaten in their last 15 Premier League games against Southampton. Um, Hassan Hutu, like I said, he said anything was possible when they went top of the table for the first time in their history in November. Um, but after that, you know, they've won three three wins in 17 games. You know, there's a lot to do. They're not destined to, they're not necessarily rubbered on to stay, stay in the Premier League with form like this. Obviously, injuries are mounting. They've lost eight and drawn one of their last nine fixtures, people. It's crazy. And it feels like a far cry when everything was going well when they beat Newcastle, people. And their manager has said... Um, you know, 30 points is not enough to stay in the league. We need points and maybe next weekend. We're in a moment where we are short of scoring goals and that makes it difficult to win. We are struggling to put the ball in the net. Despite the problems we have at the moment with the injuries and the run that we're on, I saw a team that was fighting until the end. I saw spirit. Everyone knows that getting the first win is the most important and we are fighting for it, people. And the maddest thing about it, Southampton's only points that they've won in 2019 have come in a 1-0 victory against Liverpool and drawing 1-1 against Chelsea. So it's, it's a bit of a weird one. It's a weird one. Um, a lot is made of Carlo Ancelotti going to, going to, um, going to, what's it, people? Going to, what, what's the team? What's the team called again? <laughs> going to Everton. Apologies, people. Um, in that regard, um, I just need to get my charger, people. My, my laptop said it's going to die. Um, a lot's been made of him going to Everton. And I always use the parallel with Arsenal, people, because... I hope you lot can hear me. Apologies, people. I've had to move away. Um, a lot of parallels is made. Um, charges back in now. A lot of parallels was made of Carlo coming to Arsenal because Carlo's been backed. He's been brought in. James, Allen, and the rest of it, and and the core. Um, and this is why I see ambition because I initially thought Carlo Ancelotti had the core on his mind. But this is where you see collaborative efforts. The manager can say who he wants, but the club can say, yo, there's some elite players. Let's go and get them. Because on the core, he said he was not on my list, but we talked together and we both agreed to sign him. So 
you know, the club's hierarchy, regardless of who the manager was probably coming in, Decore was always on the list. You know, Decore and probably Ben Godfrey, two elite signings. Ben Godfrey's resale value is going to only get better as he eventually gets capped by England. I wanted I wanted Arsenal to sign Jamal Lewis and Decore personally. I mean, D Jamal, I wanted Decore, but I mean, Jamal Lewis and Ben Godfrey, they were the two for me. Shout out Max Ahrens and Buendia and that. But I think Jamal Lewis could have been decent. Definitely Ben Godfrey, like you're seeing him excel. Um you know, at left back, centre half and the rest of it. So, you know, you shout out to them. You know, they've brought in them man there. Decore's been amazing. And he said, you know, I think it was after six months, a really fantastic signing because Decore is playing really well. So if it's going great for Everton, man, shout out Carlo Ancelotti and these sort of things, people doing what they need to do. So I think that's that in terms of the Premier League people once again circling back. Um, Everton won Southampton nil. Nil-nil in the Crystal Palace versus Fulham game. Leicester City won Arsenal 3. Spurs 4, Burnley 0. Nil-nil in the Chelsea versus United game. You've got Sheffield United 0, um, Liverpool 2. And we've got to save the best for last people. Well, you know, before that, you know, Leeds lost 1-0 lost to Villa. It was 1-1 in the Newcastle Wolves game. West Brom versus Brighton was 1-0 and almost missing it out because it's boring talking about Manchester City. Manchester City 2, West Ham 1. Now, I think West Ham, you know, I don't think they lost. I mean, while there's no shame in losing to West, I'm losing to, to City, I don't think they lost any credibility. I think they did well. I think they broke, you know, there's obviously things they could have done better. They've conceded two goals, but I think they broke well. I thought they fought well to the end. I don't think they sat there and respected... Um, um, City and they you know there was just that little bit of quality I do think Kevin De Bruyne should have had a couple more assists in that game um, put a couple of balls into the box and it wasn't picked up on but you know I think West Ham gave a good account of themselves you know they kept working I don't know who between Jesse Lingard and Antonio is going to claim their goal but at a point you know they got themselves back into it and, you know, City kind of shown they've got a goal everywhere in their team because it must be a lo great luxury to have two centre-halves pop up and score the goals. You know, John Stone's been scoring a couple of goals this year. Did he not score against Southampton as well this season? And obviously, Ruben Diaz, don't know what business he has making that run for Kevin De Bruyne, but he made a lovely run and it's an emphatic finish from, from Diaz. And that's his first goal for Manchester City. And it's unfortunate that there's no fans for little moments like that, people. Like I said, I think City had just enough to win it and stuff. I think ever, I mean, West Ham worked them well. And this was not that you should be proud of any defeat, but when I look at Arsenal's defeats to West, um, defeats to City versus that West Ham game, this is what I mean by, you know, you you can't just sit there and respect them. You have to play the occasion. You can't just admire their team. Make them show their quality. You know, you made them show their quality. What can you say? You walk away, you lost to the better team where you say, look at all the magic they produced. They, I think West Ham did that. I don't think they could have asked themselves anymore beyond the obvious. Um, but what can you say? You know, you know, again, and West Ham, you know, it's not another clean sheet for, for, for City. So West Ham did something. There's no shame in that. Clearly City are going to win the league. They're a goal ahead of everybody. But Pep Guardiola is urging caution because right now it looks wavy for City because it is. They're unbeaten in their last 27 games in all comps, you know. But like Pep Guardiola says, you know, they're entering a crucial 10-day period, people, as they try and get their second Premier League trophy in three years and re regain it from Liverpool. Um, like he said, we don't want to stop. We know how important these 10 games are. We have Wolves, United, Southampton, before we travel to Fulham. If we're able to do what we want to do, it will be an incredible st step. 
So it is what it is. Manchester City conceded their first Premier League goal at the Etihad since the 15th of December where they conceded against West Brom. That ended a run of 629 minutes without conceding um, in the competition at, at home. No Premier League defender has scored more goals in all competitions this season than John Stones with four. All four of those strikes has come in 2019. Mikel Antonio is the first West Ham player to score at both home and away Pardon me, against Manchester City in a season since Ian Dowie did it in 95-96, the year I was born, 95. Pardon me. Harry Kane and Kevin De Bruyne are a level for Premier League assists with 11 this campaign, people. It's crazy because Manchester City haven't trailed for a single minute in any of their last 18 Premier League games, people. If they continue that run against Wolves, they'll equal Arsenal's record record of 19 games in the Premier League without falling behind, which was set in the 1998-99 season, people. So we'll have to see what happens in that regard. So, yeah, man, it's been a bit of a normal day in relation to the Premier League. Um, in terms of the Premier League action to come, as you lot know, it's a double game week for some. Um... Today, Tuesday, 8 o'clock kickoff, you've got Manchester City against Wolves. On Wednesday, you have Burnley against Leicester City. You've also got Sheffield United against um, Aston Villa. You've also got Crystal Palace against Manchester United. On Thursday, you've got Fulham against Spurs from 6pm. You've got West Brom against Everton. Probably the marquee game of the weekend or, or, of Thursday. You've got Liverpool versus Chelsea from 8-15 people. Um, Liverpool at home at Anfield. So make of that what you will. And of course, the weekend action we'll speak about on Friday. So make sure you've made a mental note of the next edition of the Deluded Podcast. Hey, and make sure you're looking at my stuff on YouTube as well. Follow me on Clubhouse because that's the next step, people, as well. Deluded Guna 04 again. Um, so yeah, that's that in relation to the Premier League, people. So there's a big couple games. Obviously, the flag bearer of the week is going to be Liverpool against can't even remember now. My main, my mind's gone blank. Liverpool, Liverpool against. I'm pretty sure it was Chelsea. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see exactly what happens, people. Um, other games I'm looking at. Yeah, Liverpool against Chelsea. Something's telling me that Palace versus United one might be a bit dodgy. And Wolves, I think City will win, but Wolves might make it harder than than people expect. Um, I'm not too sure if I actually covered it in the last one, but if you don't know, you know, Arsenal and Olympiacos have been drawn in the Europa League. Arsenal and Olympiacos have previously met on 10 occasions across all European competitions and both sides have won five times each. Man United got Aston Villa, you know, Ibrahimovic derby. He may or may not be involved. They've been eliminated from, get Man United that is, they've been eliminated from four of their last five UEFA European knockout ties against AC Milan. No side has eliminated the Red Devils more. Obviously, Dynamo Zagreb and Spurs have been paired against each other. Leicester are out. They've only met once before in European competition. Um, Spurs beat them 4-0 at home during the group stages of the UEFA Cup in 08-09. Darren Bent got a hat-trick. Arsenal fan, Arsenal man, Darren Bent. So yeah, that, that's it where it is. I'm not too sure if I covered that already, people. But moving away from that as well, first things first, I would like to say massive condolences first and foremost to the family of Glenn Roder. Sadly, Glenn Roder has died at the age of 65 after a long battle with a brain tumour. I'm sure you all remember, well, I remember him best for his time at Newcastle. He's obviously been at several other clubs and, you know, he was infected with the drug that we all have, a love of the game. And 
and I'm sure he's impacted, you, you know, I, I judge a person's life based on how they've impacted others, you know, legacy, we all have to die, you know, our time's on the clock somewhere, but it's all about legacy, and someone that was in the game as long as Glenn Roder, I'm sure he's impacted a lot of players, staff, people around the club, people with nothing to do with football in more ways than he could have comprehended when he was living and more ways than his family could. So, yeah, man, he's impacted people's life positively. Sadly, it's upsetting that he's lost his home, um, especially in a time period where, you know, everything's just bad news. So, like I said, com commiserations to his family, condolences and wishing them peace, strength and love and all of those sort of things at this difficult time. Sadly as well, continuing that, people, Shrewsbury Town gaffer Steve Cottrell has been sadly readmitted to hospital as he battles with COVID phenomena. Phenomena, I can't say the words, you know me, people, but um, he spent 33 days in hospital already this year having treatment of COVID, so it's not nice to see a man is back in for something related to such people. Um... Off topic, people, and again, I don't. I'm not going to go into it at, at depth, but I just feel it has to be mentioned. I'm sure you've all saw the Feds did a sweep. You know, Barcelona's Barcelona FC. That is their FC Barcelona. Better yet, Barcelona's offices were searched on Monday morning, and the Catalonian police made an un unconfirmed number of arrests. People, um, you know. A lot of former executives, Marcia Botomeo, apparently they grabbed him, Joseph Botomeo, apparently. And apparently the police say detentions were made, but did not say who or how many people were taken into um, custody. The club issued a statement on Monday yesterday saying, Regarding the search and entry by the Catalonian police force this morning at the Camp Nou offices by order of the instruction court number 13 in Barcelona, which is in charge of case relating to contacting of monitoring service on social networks, FC Barcelona have offered up their full collaboration to the legal and police authorities to help make clear facts which are subject to investigation. The investigation and documentation requested by the judicial, judicial police force relate strictly to the facts relative to this case. FC Barcelona express its utmost respect for the judicial process in place and for the principle of presumed innocence for the people affected within the remit of this investigation. So in posh words, that's for me saying F what you lot are thinking, only God can judge me, I'm innocent and to approve guilty, bang the doors, freedom and them. That's what I see people. Apparently this operation is related to last year's Barcelona gate in which um, club officials were accused of launching a smear campaign against current and former players who were critical um, of the club and then obviously then president um, Bortomeo so we have to see what's saying that regards sadly people Newcastle are facing several civil claims regarding the behavior of a former employee by the name of George Ullman who in 2018 received a 20-year jail sentence sadly for multiple cases of sex abuse so it's another case of somebody within a grassroots position exploiting young and impressionable um, young lads and sadly you know I don't want to get into it, but, you know, sexual abuse, you can imagine how nasty it is. And 20 years ain't long enough for me. You know, he should be given no TV, four walls, you know, from nine in, from wake him up at eight in the morning or six in the winter when it's dark. You know, give him a hammer, give him a boulder, the biggest boulder you can find and place in the prison yard. Give him the tiniest of hammers and say you're going to hit this every day until it gets into a small rock. Anytime I don't see you hitting it, you're not getting this, you're not getting that out. Make him beg beg for death because that's the only uh, listen let's stay on, on topic but we all know there's just some crimes you know I, I i just don't i just think they get off lightly i don't think 20 years is enough for my man you know i, I think death is too easy for him so i think he should he should be made to want to die you know he should be made 
to want it to end. Like I said, you give him a rock, make him lick it every day or give him a toothbrush and say clean it every day. Literally until his back breaks, until his back aches, until he's got a hunchback, until he is pleading, until he really... Because these sort of men, look, they, they know what they're doing. You know, they know what they're doing. But staying on topic, people, apparently, you know, you know, there's other places because obviously, naturally, you're going to see people are now getting the power to, you know, which they previously didn't have and the strength to talk about these things. Because let's be real, you know, sex abuse is hard for everybody, much less men, because it's, it's not a sign of weakness speaking about it. But we all know the connotations, you know, and it's it, people can see it as embarrassing. It's not embarrassing for you. If it's embarrassing for anyone, it's the person who's done this F3, you know. It's sad. And one has to wonder, the, the victims that, you know, aren't saying anything or just shutting this up because obviously they've progressed with their life. They've they've just kept it moving. And this just reopens old wounds, which is sad for everyone because they're going to have to relive this. You know, the physical problems heal. The mental ones stay with you for life and it impacts your relationships professionally, romantically and etc. in men and women. This is why, you know, beyond the obvious, I have no time for stuff like this, people. But as you lot know, he coached, he coached a grassroots football club in the 1970s and 80s before um, working with Newcastle's youth team across the 90s. Newcastle's Crown Court heard how he used his position of power to abuse 18 boys and young men between 1973 and 1988. As you lot know, he was convicted on 36 charges. Does this sound like someone that deserves a jail cell, a blanket at the taxpayer's expense? Or should he be someone that is made to want to, to end it? You know, Newcastle have declined to comment. Um, but apparently their insurers have denied responsibility. Apparently they believe that his crimes, the man's crime, were not connected to his role at Newcastle and a legal time frame has expired. Apparently claims for abuse which have taken place before the age of 18 must be issued before the victim reaches 21. I think that's quite disgusting because you can't put a timestamp on when someone has the, the, the courage to speak about this ish. But... You know, apparently, forgive me for mispronunciation, but David Itok, who is sadly um, one of the mountain civil claims, I say sadly because I wish this wasn't a thing. He said, the one thing I've heard is for people at the club to, the one thing I've wanted is for people at the club to hold their hands up. For Newcastle to not take any responsibility is another disappointment. I had to fight to get Ullman convicted, but I did not expect, expect a fight to get some sort of ownership from Newcastle. I just want some closure and they do deserve that, that the victims do deserve that you know i don't know how they get closures for them to say it but it is what it is and moving away from that um it's just a sad one as well really because injuries are never nice timmy fee fosu mensa apparently has suffered um or you know he has better yet he's confirmed he has suffered another anterior cruciate ligament injury which he's already had a big one at united that kind of disrupted his development he's moved to leverkusen and wants to kick on with his career for, for club and country he'll miss the european um, championships with this obviously and he rolled his ankle or something in the last game so it's so unfortunate to hear about that people um luke Shaw and Oli got Lasosha will not face any punishment over the comments that were made following the draw against Chelsea. You know, apparently Luke Shaw is said to have claimed he heard stuff. And better yet, he made claims about what referee Stuart Atwell had allegedly said in the conversation with United's um, Harry Maguire after the decision came not to give a, pe a penalty for allegedly Hudson Odoi's handball. As you look, no Solskjaer made his own comments backing up the defender, but the FA have decided neither will face punishment because they're probably not wrong people. In that regards, moving away from that though, and you know, Tyrese John Jules is technically on loan at Doncaster. So the relevance of this is apparently 
Darren Moore has left Doncaster Rovers and become Sheffield Wednesday boss people. Sheffield Wednesday have been managerless since the 28th of December when Tony Pulis was sacked after 10 games. The 46-year-old Darren Moore had been in charge of Doncaster since 2019 um, and departs with them six people and a run of four defeats in five games. Apparently, Andy Butler, 37, has been named as Doncaster Rovers boss until the end of the season. So, good luck to Darren Moore in his new role, people. Finally, people, I know Boris Johnson has come out and said we're ready to host all of the European championships in this country, England, if needed. But apparently, the UK and Ireland have moved closer towards the decision to file a joint bid to host the 2030 World Cup with the UK's government pledging 2.8 million um, to support the project. Apparently, FIFA's bidding process doesn't officially start until 2022, but apparently a number of other regions have expressed interest. Apparently, Spain and Portugal are joining forces and you could see potentially Argentina, Chile, Paraguay and Uruguay coming together for a possible bid. Apparently, in a statement, the football associations within the UK and Ireland said they were delighted to receive initial backing though they acknowledge no final decision has been made on whether a bid would ultimately be submitted. So it's a bunch of talking. It's not confirmed at this moment. So, and with that, that ends this podcast, people. So we've reviewed the Premier League. We've spoken about the Premier League. We've touched on some general talking points. You know, I've really enjoyed these 55 minutes with you guys, people. Please make sure you're following across Spotify and Apple. Make sure you're checking me out on YouTube, Deluded Guna 04. In fact, once again, Deluded Guna 04 on everything, people, apart from Snap, which is Guna 04. If you're not going to do anything, Follow me on Clubhouse, Instagram and Twitter, people. Please stay safe. I'll see you again on Friday. Make sure you've set your reminders because next edition of the podcast will be on Friday. On that note, though, it's always a pleasure. People deluded. I'm out. Please, um, please stay safe and I'll see you again later. Peace. <laughs>